an all new episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. I am your host, Lisa Ann, and I'd like to start by extending my gratitude to you for making me a part of your listening experience. Whether you listen to the podcast version or whether you watch on YouTube, I appreciate you because you inspire me to meet new people and have new conversations, share them with you. You have me constantly reading the news, reading different books, meeting authors, and I appreciate that mojo behind me right here because it's making my podcast more fun every year. And so I thought for this episode and for the next couple of episodes, I was going to do a fun remix of my favorite conversations that I've had kind of elaborate a bit in between of how they've moved me because there's some episodes I go back and re-listen to. And so I wanted to pull from those episodes, whether it's an author and a book that I loved or just a conversation that I really liked. And I thought we're going to start this one right here with some real inspiration because this is a big year. First of all, we were all out and about this year. 2022 flew by because we're traveling and we're doing things. It's the year I turned 50 and I had the most fabulous, like I could not have asked for a better actual birthday, the day of my birthday. It was a Monday, Monday, May 9th. I was meeting my girlfriends at Say Less. We had a private room. Everyone was just there and it was just so special and it was just my girlfriends. And I just remember sitting there and thinking like, wow, this is the life I'm living. Like I have friends, I have a community of people around me in my personal space that I love, that I can reach out to, that reach out to me. And I know my world has grown so much moving to New York. I have a much bigger social life here and a, a different group of friends that I know it was really about changing myself and my attitude and things that I felt when I was living in LA and I was really just in the business and focused on the same things and just expanding. And I've expanded. So this year was about my birthday, going back to LA in March and shooting with Holly Randall to get new photos and to shoot photos for my birthday and to get to spend time with Susan Humphrey and have dinner with them and meet Holly's daughter. And just that really started it, right? That was March. Going through those photos, what am I going to use these for? I have these for my birthday, new promo photos. Like that was really special. Then going to Vegas in April and starting that whole whirlwind of everything that and my birthday here on Monday, May 9th, and all the things that I've done, taking my trip to Tahoe for Thanksgiving, going to three exoticas, going to Switzerland, traveling to St. Louis, traveling to different radio spots, getting back with my very first boss in sports radio, who now runs the Better Network, and now I'm doing my Wednesday night shows back with the same person that hired me in 2013, this, this person who gave me so much confidence and introduced me to so many great people. And so I've been taking the last two weeks of this year to work a little bit less. I have plans every single night to see a friend. And even my, my, my favorite girl at the front desk last night when I was leaving, she's like, I don't normally see you going in and out this much. And I'm like, it's the holidays. I will be going out every single night. I will be having dinners in small groups with friends, going to the Rockettes with Justin, just celebrating life, celebrating being in New York City for Christmas because it's such a beautiful place to be. And Going back to that original, if you've been following me for a while, or if you've read my second book, The Life Back, you'll know about my love for minimalism and how minimalism has changed my life. It continues to show itself to me in different ways. You know, learning that the only true currency we have in this world is our relationships. At the end of the day, that's all we have. You're not taking anything else with you, but when you do leave this earth, whatever you believe in in afterlife or whatever you believe in, your legacy is alive through all of the relationships you have. And people are going to talk about you. And how do you want them to talk about you? I remember reading a book years ago that opened with, if you would want to hear somebody read your eulogy, what would it say? And like, that is a way to live your life. How do you want to be remembered? And so this year has just been a time where I've been more reflective. I've been able to take more time with my friends. Minimalism ties in because if you don't need and buy as many things, you don't have to always work as much. You know, all of these things really come true. Minimalism, when you're not spending money and you're not in debt and you have money saved, the economy doesn't stress you as much. Inflation doesn't stress you. Yeah, it sucks. We're all paying more for groceries. But as for the fact that I'm not carrying any debt, that's huge. All of the things that 
later have shown themselves to me to live this life of minimalism and to have this simplicity and to have this celebration of experiences versus things. No gifts this Christmas. I don't buy gifts for anybody. I don't have to worry about any of that. I was though thinking, I probably will take my hairdresser a bottle of wine. I think there's some situations now where I've got to realize like this is the right thing to do. Um, just to, I'd be kind, you know, I'm sure everybody else is bringing gifts and just because I'm a minimalist, I have to remember like, oh, in some situations you should probably send something to somebody. But as for my friends, we're not going to clutter each other's lives with stuff. We're not going to buy gifts. I'm a buyer all year long. If I buy something on Amazon and I love it, I always send it to my best friend. Uh, she knows she's going to get things that I've loved. So like I'm, I do these things throughout the year. But the no gifts thing is like we have to make time for dinner. We have to make time to see a show. We have to make time to plan a trip. And all of these things come from adopting this new mindset and living in minimalism. So if you're going to do one thing over the holidays that you haven't done yet, watch The Minimalist documentary on Netflix. Look up The Minimalists, learn more about them because holidays are when we can get really overwhelmed with stuff. And I think it's a great time with this downtime to be like, how do I want to start the new year? You know, we're going to have New Year's resolutions. Every year we have New Year's resolutions. I have the same New Year's resolution every year to learn another language. And then the next year comes and I'm still dabbling with a couple of different languages. But I think the resolutions we've got to get away from are to lose weight, to go on a diet, to go to the gym. You just want to have a healthy lifestyle. That shouldn't be a resolution that has to wait till New Year's. That should be something you're, we're all doing every day. And it shouldn't be about doing it because of a look. You shouldn't be working out to get thin. You should be working out to be healthy. And when you switch the mindset, you know, the minimalist mindset, the lifestyle mindset, when you just can flip these and you can really understand them in the big picture, then your New Year's resolution can be to get rid of shit because then you're going to have time to do that because you're going to be already doing everything else you're supposed to be doing. So it's been kind of a great year. Not kind of, it's been a great year. And I've learned a lot about myself this year. And that's where that little kind of slip in came in. Cause I was like two thoughts at one time when you're talking and recording, these things happen. So, you know, sometimes your brain is speaking to you while you're speaking to a camera and, and things get, the wires do get crossed. But what I've realized about myself from trusting in other people and opening myself back up again after not traveling as much, after not going to exoticas, after not engaging as much with, with my past and now kind of really, you know, gravitating towards being a part of the industry in a distant and remote way. The fact that it's been such a big part of my life and the fact that I can meet so many people involved today and support them and offer them insight or have them come to me with things. My podcasts have really opened that up, but going to these shows and building these friendships, the last exotica in DC, I had so much fun. Um, fun in the sense that like every day when we weren't working, we were all hanging out together, whether we were going out to eat, uh, we were doing something like the crew, the, the talent getting together and doing things in groups. Just that's what it was like many, many years ago. And I don't know if it's because we all appreciate things more traveling wise post COVID, um, not being able to do, I don't know. I think it's just this beautiful kind of everything landing at the same time. And so I'll be going to ABN this year, my first time in many, many years. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really now at a place where I've learned so much about myself. I've let go of bad things that happened to me when I was leaving the industry. I've let go of the pettiness that still goes on from time to time. And I've really discovered myself. I can only worry about what I can worry about. I cannot worry about what other people are doing. I cannot worry about the fact that I know somebody had my post with Young Gravy mass reported on IG and it got deleted from my account, but not his. Cannot worry about that. It's annoying. I don't love it. But as I started to go down that rabbit hole, I'm like, you know, you're in such a good mental space. This is not going to put you in a better mental space. This is going to grind you. This is going to grind you like things grind you on social media. This is not good. Don't do this. Let it go. And since I've let things go, I also feel like I've been more magnetic and that's why I've made more friends. And that's why I have a better social life. Like all of these things have happened in this one very important year that I was so excited to turn 50 this year and look back at all of my life and 
grab the things that I really want to be part of my person and remind myself where I've come from, remind myself the things that I've done and share that joy with the people that I interact with. So it's just been like an incredibly awesome year. I'm home for the rest of the year. I'm thrilled to be home, thrilled to be in my routine with my gym, you know, great to be seeing my friends and just in this really positive space. And so I thought this week for this episode, I would take you on this journey with the people that I love the most from my podcast. I went through clips, so you'll see this conversation that we had. And I just rewatched these episodes and was like, you know what? I love this conversation. And one of the first ones is Coot Blackson, who wrote this book right here that I'm holding up for when you watch the YouTube video. If you're listening, you can't see this right now. This is called The Magic of Surrender. I have it out because I'm probably going to reread it over the holidays. I told myself I wanted to take two or three down days where I put in four to six hours of reading and I want to go like to the upstairs lounge and be like not around my stuff and not have a computer and not get distracted by social media and just like take a thing of tea and just go and read. And the reason I want to reread that is because I think that book has really helped me let go of so many things. And when you are inspired by reading, sometimes you only pick up what you need at that time. Kind of like watching a movie a second time or a TV show. You see something that you didn't even notice was funny the first time. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember that part. I'm going to reread this one. I think it's a great one for you to reread as well. And in this new year coming 2023, with the list of New Year's resolutions everybody is going to have, I think it's really important to remember that we are love. And Coot talks about this. So this first clip is going to be part A is the mindset, part B is the motivation, and part C is the financial freedom. First, we're going to go to this mindset with Coot Blackson. Your take on dreams and visualizing how your dreams become your reality. Dreams, <clears throat> dreams as in actual dreams at night or dreams as in goals and visions. Daydreams is as I should probably <clears throat> call them, right? Yeah. Dreams as in goals and visions, dreams as in manifesting. This is manifesting. where I see myself in a year, five yeah. years, 10 years. Yeah. Look, I think it's beautiful to, to have a vision for yourself and see yourself. I would, the only warning I would give is we have to be careful to not put limitations on the infinite and put limitations on the universe. Because the truth is the mechanism with which we use to visualize the mind, our identity is only able to visualize to a degree to the current level of our consciousness and capacity. And the mind is not able to see the infinite possibilities of dreams, the infinite possibilities of manifestation. And many of us, we're not aware that when we visualize and we, we, we kind of locking in on a picture, looking in on a visual, we sometimes begin to limit our availability to the infinite possibilities of life, the infinite possibilities of what life can manifest. And so have a dream, have a vision, but don't get attached to what it's even going to look like because what life can do and how life can manifest, and this is where surrender comes in, what life can do, the intelligence of life, the grace of life, how life can flow is way bigger than anything that you and I can imagine with our limited little ego's perspective. We, we, we often visualize a peanut thinking the peanut is the most amazing thing we could have when the, the universe is seeking to give us a freaking infinite buffet of possibilities, an unlimited buffet of possibilities. But no, no, we've got to have this peanut because that's all we can see. And the peanut seems like a big deal in this moment. So I'm not saying don't visualize the peanut, but just don't limit yourself to the peanut. And so I, I always invite people to, to, to not ask. The question that we're kind of taught to ask is, well, what do you want? Get clear on what you want. Get clear on your vision. Okay, it's great. And you can manifest a good life that way, a great life that way, a magnificent life that way. But there will always be a level of limitation. If you are interested in manifesting in an unlimited, infinite way, realize that you are not the manifester. You are not the one that needs to manifest. Life is manifesting. Life is the source of manifestation. So you move from asking the question, what do I want? This limited egoic I, and ask the question. Just even the question starts opening you up to an infinite game of possibility. What is it that life wants to manifest through me? What is it that life wants to express through me? What is it that this infinite intelligence 
intelligence of life that has been around for billions of years is breathing me, functioning me, functioning all of existence. What is it that life wants to create through me and dream through me and travel through me and podcast through me and write through me and just allowing yourself to to open your availability to the infinite possibilities, then you become completely available. To me, that positionality, that position is a, is a position of infinite availability, infinite receptivity. Then there's no limits on what, what life can happen. There's limit, there's no limits on how it can happen. There's limit, there's no limits on how things can show up because you're available. Many of us, we don't realize we're not quite available. We think, no, no, it's got to kind of be this when life is seeking to give us something else. And so, you know, sometimes we get so caught up on the thing, thinking that the thing is the thing or the goal is the goal. And I say many times the goal that we think we want is not necessarily the goal. The goal is the carrot. The goal is the necessary puzzle piece that takes us on an evolutionary journey so that we can grow and learn and evolve. So don't get attached to that vision. Don't get attached to that dream because it may not be that. It's the journey that you need to go on so that you can become more of your authentic true self so that you then become more prepared and ready for the, for the real dream and vision that life is seeking to express to you. Look, look at Nelson Mandela. 27, 26 years in prison. I'm sure he didn't write that on his poster board, vision board, but he went, he moved in a direction and you can't even, you can't even plan that kind of life. You know, you can't even strategize that kind of life. But if you go in the direction of your authentic calling, if you go in the direction of your authentic vision, if you go in the direction of your soul's guidance, that's when you open yourself to that infinite possibilities. And what life can manifest through you, I think, is bigger than what we can imagine for ourselves and will often, uh, will often surprise us in truly uh, magnificent ways. And so what is it that life wants to express through me? Feel that. Tune into that. And it's great when you, let's say, when you fall asleep to kind of hold visions. But I would also say, if you're going to tune into something, don't get attached to the visual. Focus on the feeling, because the okay. feeling doesn't have a limitation. The feeling right. of how would it feel to have abundance? How don't even yeah, you can have a number. I want to make 10 million, 20 million, a billion, what have you. But don't even put don't get so attached to that. Focus on the feeling of abundance, the feeling of love. Sometimes we, we get so uh, limited of my soulmate has to be this tall and look like this and have gone to this school and gonna have this color hair. When the truth is. Maybe what you need is not what you think you need. Maybe the person that you need and what your soul needs might be a surprise. And because we're so attached to it looking a certain way, we're not even available. We're not even available to the to the way that universe wants to bring it to us because no, 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 no. My soulmate's got to be this person and it's yeah. got to look like this that we're not available to something more amazing. And so to don't me, get that's the, the real missing link with dating apps. Oh. is the disconnect, right? You're actually shopping for something. It's kind of like going on Amazon and you see yeah, all these yeah, different yeah. criteria. and I'm not on them, but my girlfriends that are on them, I like to look through the apps. You know, I find yeah. I'm curious about it. And there's all these little, you know, uh, avatars and things that people check. And I'm like, oh, this is just so strange to me. I mean, like what happens if you didn't realize it, but you're going to meet this guy at the post office when you're dropping something off, but you're no longer looking because you're on this dating app and you just figure you got your week all lined up and you're going to go out. This is where I feel there's a huge disconnect. And the person app. may be nothing like what your personality expects. Because right. often too, what we think is our type isn't always our type. What we think sometimes is our type is really a projection of our conditioning. And, and so then we meet someone and like, ah, they fit my type, but they fit the type and association of how I have love programmed in my consciousness from childhood. And so we Movies. think it's chemistry. Yeah, and we yeah. think it's chemistry, but it's really, you know, my wound matches your wound and that fits together and we don't have chemistry, we have shit history and that's what attracts us together. And so, so I think we have to truly move beyond that limited way of thinking and just truly be open and available. And I tell people, if you want to find love, stop seeking love, stop looking for love, stop chasing love. Doesn't mean you shouldn't go on a dating app, but stop seeking love. Instead, work on yourself to remove 
all the blockages, to remove all the limitations, to remove all of the stories, the beliefs, the illusions that prevent you from realizing, from loving yourself and realizing and knowing the infinite love that you are as a soul, as a being, that what you and I are essentially is a manifestation of love. We are love itself. And because from childhood, through our conditioning and our parents, we weren't loved, we were loved kind of conditionally to a degree. And you know, we learned to be who we thought we needed to be in order to get love, validation, and approval. So love was conditional. And so we 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 think that love is something we need to get outside of ourselves. But the truth is, we are love. And I think when we reconnect with the fact that what we are is love and we stop seeking it and chasing it and looking for it, trying to get it from outside and making someone else the source of love, someone else the source of the love that we didn't get, then we stop seeking. And when we stop seeking, we just start being. And we start being and we start radiating that love. We start you know, expressing that love. We start loving life and loving everything around us and loving everything and everyone as as a love affair and your heart is open. And I believe that like a flower, when you're radiating the love that you are and living the purpose for why you're here, the right alignment will find you, you know, because you become incredibly attractive. You become yes. incredibly radiant in that open-hearted manifest, manifest expression where you're not seeking it or chasing it, but you're available, but you're just living the love that you are. And I think, you know, relationship, Relationship is a mirror. The people, the person you attract to you really is a mirror manifestation of yourself, a mirror manifestation of an aspect of your consciousness reflecting back to you parts of yeah. you that you need to heal, integrate, embrace, learn, and see. Essentially, there is no relationship out there. It looks like there's a relationship out there, but there's no relationship out there. There's a relationship out there. There's a manifestation and a projection of you. Of you. So you're in relationship with yourself. And so the quickest way you could say to manifest love is, is realize that you attract you to you in the form of the people that are showing up. The fact that Coot talks about manifesting infinite possibilities. What is it that life wants to offer to me? I think I, that hit me when I was rewatching because I realized something. Because I allowed myself to be free this year, you know, I turned down so much work. So many people were like, oh, what did I do this with you? This, I'm like, eh, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that much this year. Although it looks like I still work hard, I turned down half of the work that I would have had because I was like, you know what? Let's just see if I can take more trips or I can have people come stay with me or I can be somewhere longer. I didn't have to do my Tahoe trip four days. I did six days. Like, you know, maybe I'll do this. And that hit me. It's like, what is it that life wants to offer me? Life offered me so much love this year because I opened up the space and because I didn't over manifest my, this is my plan, this is my plan, because that limited mind that Coot talks about, being available to surrender, the abundance, the feeling of love, your soul's guidance, all of those things played into this year for me. So that's another reason why, yeah, I'm definitely going to reread that book. And I love that conversation. You will enjoy his book as well. It's available now on paperback, uh, audio book. So check out The Magic of Surrender by Coot Blackson. The next bit of this remix, my faves of faves of motivation, mindset, and financial freedom 2022 is really about motivation and also a bit about mindset and also about being still. So being still is something that I learned a lot about in a period of time, and I talk with my guest about it. But things that you don't know, I do, because I share my life publicly on social media. So there's these missing gaps that people don't know about because I do things, for me being still, is doing things without sharing them. And a lot of times people will say, oh my gosh, you're cooking, why don't you shoot it? You know, because when I'm cooking, and I, I, I know I should shoot it more, and I know I should do all these things, but when I'm cooking, like, I'm in my own zone. I'm usually listening to some sports radio. I usually leave the kitchen a little messy as I'm cooking. I'm usually not wearing makeup. I'm usually dressed like, you know, whatever. And that's just my time. And so I'll tell you a little bit of something that I love about New York City. So yesterday was the coldest day so far that I've been here, but it wasn't going to rain. 
And when I look at my week in advance, if I have a day that I have to run errands and an errands day for me could be three to four hours of walking, of course, you don't want to do that in the rain. So I map my things out and I'm like, okay, it's going to be sunny this day, which is super helpful for everything that I have to do. And I'm going to do this walking. So yesterday was my walking errands day. It's my time. I listened to sports radio, had on some earmuffs. I went out with leggings, a thermal top, a sweatsuit on top, a full length coat, scarf and gloves. It was about 32 when I went out. But to me, it's like walking in cryo. Like I love the cool feeling of my face. I know how good it is for inflammation. You walk kind of briskly, you know, and the faster you walk, the warmer you feel and it's fantastic. So I had seven stops to do yesterday. I always make it first where it's like my first stop was dry cleaning, then the post office, then I had a return. Anything that has a bag has to go first because you don't want to carry a bag around the city for the next three, four hours. Then I was walking to my doctor to get a B12 shot. I just had a ton of things to do. And I love that time. That's my time to be still. Even though I'm moving and I'm walking and I'm not sitting down, I'm being still in the sense that I'm not sharing on social media. I'm not looking at social media. I'm looking around. I'm people watching. I'm checking out different buildings. I always walk different routes. So I turn on different streets so that I can see like old theaters. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been wondering where that was. Like I'm always exploring. I'll see a restaurant that I don't know about. I'll take a picture of it so later on I can look it up. I'll see something cool that I might want to shoot with Allie and I'll take a picture of it so I could send it to Allie later and be like, hey, we should go here and shoot this. It's a pretty building. You know, I do that. And halfway through the lot walk yesterday, I realized how happy I was. Like I was just smiling. So I probably didn't look like a resident. I probably looked like a tourist. I was like smiling at people. And I was like, these people are thinking this chick is not a New Yorker. But I was just happy because I made space for that time for me. I don't take phone calls. I don't check my email. I just do all of my stuff. I get out and about. I get in a good walk. I feel connected with my community. I feel, you know, my feet are to the ground. I'm not taking a cab no matter how cold it is. It's not raining. So I'm walking, I'm getting some extra exercise and I'm just getting to do something really simply brings me joy. I love living with no car. I just think it's so cool. I miss driving a little bit, but I don't miss sitting in traffic. I don't miss looking for a parking spot. I don't miss paying for a car. I love that it's like, okay, I'm going to map this out so that I go around in a circle and I get the furthest thing down in the middle and on my way back, you know, maybe I'll stop and get a bite to eat. I have a favorite spot by me uh, that I like to take myself to lunch to. So on my way back, my last stop was taking myself to lunch. It's those moments we make for ourselves where we're not worried about other people, where we can really connect with ourselves and not have FOMO, not feel like we're missing out. Then when I went out to dinner with Joanna and, and our girlfriends, Allie and Jess last night at Say Less, I was so happy to be around them. When I woke up this morning, I realized, wow, what a nicely balanced day yesterday. You had time to yourself for about four hours. You worked for about four hours. You went out to dinner with your girlfriends for about five hours. Like what a beautifully balanced day. So I think thinking about a new year, again, new year's resolutions, things we want to be better at. Think about what do you like to do that you don't make time to do and how can you do it to make it fun for yourself? That is your time to be still in your mind and just kind of be present in the moment and not be worried about what's next or who you have to call back or somebody tweeting something. Just be in your head and think. And so when I was walking yesterday, I was just like thinking about what a great year I've had, thinking about how great it was to go to Switzerland with Kay, thinking about seeing all of my friends and all of my people at Exotica, thinking about my birthday, thinking about reconnecting with Holly. I was like really in this like thought process of gratitude. And that comes from being still and getting the other clutter out of your mind to take stock and take inventory on what you got going on. Life coach Crystal Stokes talks just that with me right here. You said sometimes there's something that happens that forces someone to really look within. And I was forced into a situation where I had to be still. And I took a year of being still. I read a book a week. I watched a ton of documentaries. I was incredibly depressed. I knew it would pass. Um, but that time being still changed my life for the better. And when I 
see friends on the hamster wheel, I'm like, yo, turn everything off. Don't worry about what you look like today. Open a book, play some soft music and be still like you won't be able. But now I run into a lot of response back to me where I don't really like to be still. Like I get FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. What do you tell someone, Crystal, when they refuse to jump off because they're afraid of being still? Because being still does scare people. Oh, yeah. What I say is that was me 100%. I I couldn't stand it. If you look back at my life when I was, um, you know, probably 20 and before and even into my 20s, absolutely not. It felt very dangerous. And so when I when I meet with somebody and I they say to me that they don't want to slow down or they can't slow down, I just get really curious about what is the fear of what would happen if they did. Let's just really look at it. And like for me, my fear was, what if I discover that I'm ultimately an incredibly lazy person and I never get moving again? What if my exhaustion is so deep that I can't, I can never re- recover from it? Or I think another fear that many people have is more existential of what if I slow down and I realize that everything I've been doing is actually in the wrong direction and I have to like reinvent my life and I would have to tear everything down and destroy it. And I can't do that. So I may as well just keep going forward like a sunk cost bias. So whenever somebody says they can't slow down, I'd say, okay, don't keep going at your clip. And let's just talk about what those fears are. Let's just explore that. And usually as we confront the fears while still being busy and doing a lot, we start to realize, you know, maybe these fears aren't a really good reason to not slow down. And I'll, I'll slow down by 0.01%. And small gradients, as you noticed, once you get comfortable with slowing down, you never want to go back because it's so rich and you learn and discover so much that actually makes everything you do when you're doing optimized. You're like, oh, why didn't somebody tell me this 20 years ago? But getting there, people have to come to it in their own way, just like you did. You were forced to do it in a way that was a blessing in the moment. Maybe you didn't feel like it was. And I think everybody comes to it in their own way. But for the ones that resist, I always say, let's just get really curious about the fear of what would happen if you had to stop. I mean, that's a great way to look at it. And you're right. When you do start doing stuff again, you become more selective with the things that you're doing, whether it's as simple as when you're younger, you're afraid that if you don't keep in touch with all of your friends and go out when they're all going out and everyone's doing things that you're going to lose those friendships. And so there's that fear. There's that level of FOMO. But when you reel it in a little bit and take time where maybe one night a week you're taking a bath and you're just enjoying your own free space, whether it's a TV show you like or a book you want to read, when you do see your friends, which I realize, you value that time so much more. You're not exhausted. And I can remember a time where every spot in my planner had to be full. Oh, what am I, who am I going out with this night? Who am I going out? And, and, you know, you're never catching up on your own personal things, whether it's, you know, doctor's appointments, whether it's laundry, whether it's, you know, keeping tabs with family, writing letters to friends, whatever you like to do that you stop doing because you think you're too busy to do it. Getting people back on track with that must be one of the greatest feelings for you because it changes the trajectory of your entire existence. You you plan things with more love. You're so much more excited to do them. Everything becomes more of a special event and your time as well becomes a special event. So once you see people starting to transition, what's it feel like for you as a coach, Crystal, when somebody comes to you and says, wow, I spent the weekend just like on my own, just like putzing around in my closet or doing something at home. And you knew that was soulful time for them. That must be incredibly rewarding. Oh, you know, the the work that I do, I can't imagine doing anything that's more rewarding. It's, I have like this achy face sometimes from smiling so hard in my days where it's just, it must be how parents feel when they watch their kids coming into their potential and blooming. And the and there's like this positive feedback loop too, where once they get it, they're not ever going to lose it. You can feel the momentum that just starts to occur because it's so, it feels so good to have that space to connect with yourself. Like when I go back to that thing you said about boundaries, it makes me think about when we, when we're struggling in life, whether it's boundaries with our time, with 
uh, social media, with other people, with money, how we spend it, whatever the boundary may be. I can guarantee you that the core boundary that is broken or not working so well is a boundary with ourself. If we don't have time to connect with this person right here and have a good relationship, then how do you expect the other boundaries to function? Because this is the foundational boundary. And so that time that you're describing, like just having a weekend, like puts around in your closet and be with yourself and just see what's there has this ripple effect to everything else in life. And for, for me as a coach and as a therapist, what I like is the holistic nature of the work. They might come to me saying, I have this issue in my professional life. And guess what? We're going to talk about all the things because it's natural because you're at the center of it. And I'm really here just for you in whatever context that may be. So it's deeply rewarding. And as you can tell, I could get on the soapbox all day about it. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. And you're working regularly with clients for a period of time. What type of homework do you give your clients as a coach to, because you can't be with them every day, right? You're, you're, you're having these curious conversations, you're feeding through the data and they're discovering themselves. And what type of homework do you give and do you suggest for someone? Well, the two things I use most often, because just, just what you said, I can't be with them all the time, but I want to be. <clears throat> so my way of doing that, of riding on their shoulder throughout the course of a week, is I, I customize for each of my clients a tracker. If they're okay with spreadsheets, some people are allergic and that's cool and I can work <laughs> around it. But if they're okay with, with the spreadsheet, and I love spreadsheets, yes, you and too. I have a tracker where we're just documenting what's going on in their day. And I'd have different things I'd want to measure. Some of them might be numeric, like how many times you do something. Sure. Others might be an entry where you're you know, writing a little sentence about what happened. So I can watch you, but it's really more for the person because as they're documenting, it's just about being reflective and intentional. So those are two words that are huge in everything that I do with my clients is be intentional about how you do things, how you spend your time, what actions you take, what words you use. And then reflect on what you've done and modify it from there. It's not about beating yourself up. It's just saying, hey, did that work for me or not? And if not, I'm going to adjust it. And the other thing that I do for people who don't really like trackers is I have a reflection log. It's more like a journal that I share with them. So they can just go in and more in an open format, sort of spill onto a page their reflection of the day. And those are two ways that I find to be very powerful in helping my clients cultivate a deeper connection with themselves and how they are uh, engaging with their life. Small goals are a key that Crystal talks about. Small goals, setting small goals. For me, that walk is a small goal because once a month, I know I'm going to get out for at least four hours. I'm going to walk to do all of these errands. And when I do that, I just feel so charged up. I love the city. I love the fresh air. I love all about it. And so taking that where I don't have to do it with somebody else. I see so many people walking and they're constantly talking on their phone. And it's not that I'm judging you for talking on your phone all the time, but I will not do that. I do not want to do two things at one time. I want to enjoy the walk. I want to enjoy the people watching. I want to, you know, see the dogs, the people are walking. I want to look in the windows. There's certain streets I like to walk because I window shop a little bit. I love to look at the displays. I want to be in that moment and not having FOMO and not worrying about what anybody else is doing. You know, Crystal Stokes was such a great conversation. It might be a episode you want to go back just like with Coot and watch the whole thing or listen to the whole thing, however you prefer, because these are conversations that are not time sensitive. This is not expired information. This is very valuable information. And as we come into a new year, it's a fresh start. We look at this as a big deal. So how do we want to do this fresh start? We want to be inspired. We want to be positive. We want to be prepared. And prepared comes right here with this clip. Now, Jeremy Snyder was a recent interview, and I found Jeremy by reading a news article, as I do uh, many times, and reached out on social media and just thought, you know, this is a fascinating conversation because here we are in a time where inflation, interest rates, financial struggles, it's, it's, it's hard. People are really challenged and faced with challenges. And so however you can get away from it and however you can learn from it, and not get yourself there. I had mentioned earlier about minimalism, but if I didn't start living this way, this economy would be affecting me a lot more. But because I don't carry debt, 
because I don't need things and when I want something, I'm very deliberate about why do I want it? Do I need it? Am I going to use it for events? You know, what am I going to do with this? And whether it's shoes or a dress or a something. I even went to Last Exotica and I had just bought a new pair of booties that I love. And I had bought them to go to the Young Gravy concert. And I wanted them for like two months. I also wanted the dress that I wore to that Young Gravy concert. Um, Alice and Olivia, I had it in my favorites on Saks Fifth Avenue. A lot of times I love to shop. So I will sit on my couch with my iPad and I'll put all these things in my favorites. I don't really make purchases because I'm like, arbitrarily, I don't need that. But as soon as I knew I was going to the concert, I was like, well, you know what? This is a great reason to buy the dress. This is a great reason to buy the booties. And now your booties will be your something new to Exotica. You cannot buy any other clothes. So instead, I went through my closet and I wore dresses that I've already worn. I wore clothes that I already had. Years ago, going to an Exotica, everything I wore was new. Every outfit, every pair of shoes, every single thing. I would spend so much money to go to these shows and I never thought anything of it because I was like, you know, this is what I have to be doing. This is what I need to be doing. Now I buy quality things that I can reuse. And a matter of fact, I reused that dress that I wore to the Young Gravy concert. I reused it the night that I hosted above the cloakroom at the Over Under Club. I paired it with a shawl, um, this fake fur shawl that I have, made it look a little different. I wore the booties. The way I look at money and the way I spend money and the way I am so much more able to have patience and not buy everything I want, it's crazy. I never thought I could be this person. And I feel so much better about it because guess what? When I came home, all I had to do was put dresses back in the closet. I can remember when I would come home from this trip, these trips years ago, everything was new. I now had to find room for them in the closet because everything's new. Now I've got to manage this five new pair of new shoes. Now I've got to manage these five new dresses, and all these outfits. Now it's like, no, you used something you already had. You took your two new things, the dress and the shoes, uh, three things. I'm sorry. I did buy a clutch to go with that dress and shoes, but I really had to. There's, I'm not perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not perfect, but there was, it was just, I have a vision. If you follow me on Instagram at the release and you follow my platforms, you'll understand. I just have such a vision for, I could not carry a firm bag with that soft vegan leather dress and those booties. And by the way, I've already used that clutch five more times and it is now in the rotation. Um, but so I did buy three things, but that was all for the young gravy. That was a big event and it was special. And so I treated myself, but now I will reuse those three things multiple times. But when I sat down for this conversation, it was great to be having it on a side of it where I'm not trying to get out of debt. I'm not trying to get into a better thought process. I'm there. I know that I can feel satisfied just online troll shopping is what I call it. I'm just troll shopping. And then they email you every day. You were looking at this dress. I'm like, I know I still want it, but I don't have a reason to buy it. And they're so good with the emails. I troll shop. I put things in my favorites. And then when something comes up, I'm like, oh, I arbitrarily now, I, I, I can just buy this dress because I have something. It's not arbitrary. So I've changed, again, not perfect, but financial freedom and financial wellness is everything. And though we don't have to have the mindset of like, oh, I'm trying to save till I'm 70. It's like, no, I love what Jeremy says in this conversation. It's not about tomorrow. It's just as much about today. I could take this time this year and work 50% less because by the way, better sports wanted me five days a week. And I was like, mm, not this year. I'll do one day. And I, I turned down five days a week and I looked at the salary and I was doing the math and I was obsessing over it, but I was like, no, we're not doing that this year. And I would have had to take that job if I was still spending money like I used to spend money. I would have had to. There's no way I could have said no to five days a week. So when Jeremy talk about what you're doing today, it does affect you because if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're scared about losing your job. You're scared about getting sick. You're scared about all of these things. We don't want to live in fear. We want to have as much control over our lives and our destiny as possible. And this conversation is going to take you to that space of financial wellness, whether you are already there and you get to listen to this and celebrate the fact that you're there or whether you want to get there. This is a conversation for you. 
You can go back and watch the full episode. But right here, right now, Jeremy Schneider and I talk a little personal finance. But let's talk about things for the beginning. People who are wanting to start with these simple things like savings, what are some suggestions you give to all ages about how they can look at what they're spending and maybe minimize some things to start? Because I think once you start saving, it's easy once it starts to build. But that first step, how do you get somebody to take it? Well, when we start talking about logistics, I always like to remind people of my two rules of building wealth. Rule number one is to live below your means. That means spend less money than you make. So if you make half a million dollars a year, which some people do, athletes, whatever, and you spend half a million dollars a year, you're broke. You're not rich. You have zero. 500 minus 500 is zero. Um, And rule number two is to invest. Maybe we'll talk about it later. But, you know, so no matter what you make, you have to spend less than you make. And some people make $60,000 and they say, there's no possible way I could spend any less. And, you know, my answer is like, what do you think people do who make $40,000? Yeah. You know, they spend 20000 less. And so when you're looking at your own life, you know, I think the first two things to look at are housing and transportation. Like those are the big ones. And I think people overspend in these areas. And, you know, you, you might kind of refer to the car earlier. The average new car payment in the U.S. right now is like around $600 a month. If you invested $600 a month over the course of, you know, a 40 year working career, it's like millions, like three or four million dollars. And, you know, when I was building my company, I was like the CEO of this like little tech company. I was driving a 99 Ford Explorer. I bought it for $3,000 in cash. I drove it for six years. Every year or so it needed a repair. And that was like 500 bucks. And that's like the number one, you know, argument I say when people, when I like suggest don't buy a new car if you're not like already wealthy. And they say, I, I need to be reliable. Like, of course you want a car to be reliable, but you know, cars, you know, rarely just stop in the middle of the freeway and get you know, slammed. Like what really happens is like, starts to make a noise. You see a light come sure. on, you just have to go uh, run an errand and then you pay him 500 bucks, which is a lot. I don't prefer to pay 500 bucks, but it beats $600 every single month, which is $7,200 a year. So $7,200 versus 500, like right there could make you a millionaire over the course of your career. So yeah, I'd say look hard at those two things, housing and transportation. Are you renting too much apartment? Do you live in too big of a house? Do you drive too new of a car? If you can bring those down, you could dramatically open up your budget and save a lot of money. And also add on to the car. When you're not driving a brand new car, your insurance could be up to $100 less a month, which is another $1,200 a year. Because when you're driving a used car that you own, you're not paying all the different things, even whether you lease the car or buy the overexpensive car, your insurance is double than somebody that owns their car outright. Yeah. And same is true for housing too. Homeowners insurance, mortgage interest, realtor fees, uh, you know, rent, cleaning, like all this stuff, you know, as your lifestyle increases, it's kind of like this uh, amplification effect of all those associated things that also get more expensive. And so, you know, living simply realizing that stuff doesn't bring you like when, you know, I currently live in a very nice house. I paid $700,000 for it. And now it's worth like 1.1 million. When I think about the happiest time of my life, I'm like, that extra bedroom just brought me so much joy. <laughs> I think about like the time in my 20s where I lived in like a 400 square foot hole in the wall. And, you know, um, and so you just have to like, but our society is like built up such that it's like, um, you know, stuff society and, and there's all this marketing and, and consumerism. And we're just constantly being like trained to think the next purchase will make us more happy. And so I think if you really take a look internal and see what truly makes you happy, you kind of have to just eschew that stuff. It's not easy. You know, you want to like get that little endorphin boost and like drive up in your new car to meet your friends or whatever, but they don't care. Like you care. Like I couldn't even tell you what car my friends drive or care less. I actually would like them more if they drove crappy cars. I think it's like a little more authentic. So yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to like make that mindset shift. But I think when you do, then you can see where, you know, you can bring your budget down. Well, in America, we see anywhere from three to 5,000 commercials a day. And whether that's watching YouTube without, if you don't pay for the premium and you get commercial, whether it's television, whether it's listening to radio ads, we are constantly being fed. We are a consumer society. And it's one of the things I love the most about Europe is how simple everyone lives, even to the stores like they laugh that we have Sam's and Costco because they can just go to the market like every day and pick up the couple things they're going to make for dinner. They buy fresh. They don't believe in like storing stuff. They don't understand why anybody would buy that much at one time. And it makes them not use and not waste. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's hard to get out of that mindset when you live it every single day. But 
uh, once you realize that like, you know, you don't, you know, this isn't the way that we kind of are trained to do it. Isn't the way you have to do it. And I think when you, it's a free experience. I think another argument I hear is people say, Hey, I don't want to live cheap. I want to live now. Not I don't, I don't care if I'm rich when I'm 70, but this is about being happier now, right? When you, when you're like budget is like, when you're spending every dollar you make, you are stressed about losing your job. That's like devastating. You're stressed about working yeah. every day for the rest of your life. You're stressed about the economy shifting. You're stressed about taxes, like, you know, stressed about your kids needing money. You're like there's when you're pushing yourself, your budget to limit like that, everything becomes more stressful. If you can live below your means, open up some of your income, invest, build some wealth, make up a buffer, you are happier today. And that like stuff that you like forgot you bought a month ago, it, it doesn't even come into your mind anymore. And so, you know, I don't know, it's almost like an addict, right? It's, you know, when you're like talking to a, a, a physical substance addict or something and say, hey, you know, the other side of this addiction, it's better. Um, I think they might know that. And they might want that, but it's hard not to always be wanting the next hit. And so you kind of have to get over that, that next hit of like, you know, the endorphin boost from buying stuff. However you go about it, be about it. Be about the words of Coot Blackson. Again, I'm holding up his book right here. For those of you who are just listening on podcasts, you can't see it, but you will be able to see it Friday at 8 p.m. on my YouTube channel for a live premiere where I will be in the chat. This is a freedom of your thoughts, letting go of things that are weighing you down. I see it a lot when people ask me dating questions on my other podcast, Dudes Do Better. Oh, well, I've been through this and now I think this. You got to let that go and you got to meet each new person as a new person. Don't make them, as I say, bleed from someone else's cut, right? Do not make people be the prisoner of somebody else's crime. Let go. So this is a good start. So we've got magic of letting go, magic of surrender, letting go. Second is about life coach, Crystal Stokes, talking about little steps you can take to be more deliberate, to be more mindful, to be more productive in less time and enjoy your free space, your time to be still, your time. And then let's get a hold of our money, people. Let's live the life we want to live with as little amount of stress as possible. Let's make executive decisions in our homes and get rid of items. Let's decide if we're going to buy something. Why are we buying it? Is it because we loved it and the other one that you have is worn out? Or are you just buying it? Think about that because that shirt is not going to bring you joy in 10 years. But that money saved that allows you to take an extra trip is. So there's that. Instead of doing a mailbag, since this remix has been a totally different experience, I thought I'd do something different, of course. And I had a question during my book reading at Exotica DC that was like the best question I've ever gotten. No one's ever asked me this before. No one in a group setting has ever asked me this before. I don't know. I'm sure someone in an interview has, but when I do my book readings, which is always Sundays at 3.30 p.m. at Exotica this year, I will be going to Chicago. I will be going to Miami. I will be going to New Jersey and I will be going to DC. That gives you four opportunities this year to come and see me at an Exotica. I always do a book reading. And after the book reading, I do a Q&A. And sometimes it's questions about whatever I had just read. Sometimes it's questions about being an author, what it's like to write a book, how long did it take you? But this question was from a couple. And they asked me, what's the biggest downside with being in the business. And right away, what came to me was two words. And I said to him, well, my first response to you is two words, safety and perception. So of course, the first one explains themselves, right? Safety. But the second one ties into the first one in a big way. So every once in a while, I get somebody on social media that's coming on hot. And when I say coming on hot, you know, they're sending me massive amounts of messages every day. They're commenting massive amount of times, like maybe five comments per post. They're asking to meet me. They're constantly asking to meet me. So every once in a while, I want to do a little homework. I go over to their page and I read their page. And it'll be something like, why can't I just date a porn star? Why is it wrong that I just want to be around porn stars? I just love porn stars. I, why don't they want to be around me? Oh, why should I want to be around them? And then you read their interactions and they're asking every girl, can I meet you? Can I meet you? Can I meet you? It's suffocating. It's scary. I have people that come to me that go, I don't know how you can walk out of your apartment. I don't know how you don't feel scared for your life because they read the comments. 
They see the perception. I posted photos from the Knicks game with a friend. The comments were so rude. Uh, I, I just, just, just disgusting comments. There's a perception that because I was in the industry for so many years, that I should want to spend time with strangers. That ties into the first word, which is safety. That affects my safety because that same perception is tied to somebody with an ego that believes they're entitled. That perception affects my safety. And that safety is constantly being tested. There's constantly somebody coming up to me in my space or on my timelines. The amount of people that daily ask me about meeting them, marrying them, but that's, we could laugh at that because that's ridiculous and funny. But the, can I meet you? Where can I meet you? Can we spend time alone together? I love you. I love you. I love you. It would be a dream to meet you. It's heavy. And so the perception that they have because they love me is confusing because I don't love them back. This is something I did for a living. I never had the idea that the internet was going to happen. I never knew social media was going to happen. And I definitely never thought that people would get so confused about an entertainer that they would believe that they could impose on my space and they're, they're owed something, my time, a photo, what have you. I do events. I am an entertainer of the masses. I am not a one-on-one -on -one entertainer. But if you look at my timelines and you read comments, you can only imagine how as one person, the pure funnel that all that comes down to, one person, how heavy that lays on that one person. So if everybody can just think about the words that they're using and the potential pressures they're putting on others on social media, the world would be feeling very different. But when I was asked this question and I said safety and perception, and I went into this same tangent, that's really the, the biggest downside. I can't see any other downside. Uh, the experiences I had are amazing. I'm still getting to have them. I got to go to Switzerland this year and I just got invited to go back to Australia in 2023 for Sexpo. Um, so like I get to do all this great stuff, but if people knew that I'm just a person that did something for a living and still does events and which is where I'm willing to meet people, but also in that person's free time is just a person. That's why I love when I get to take these walks and I kind of hide and I'm dressed like real low key and nobody bothers me at all. Nobody recognizes me. I'm like hat, earmuffs, glasses, like, um, you know, but that perception from others, it's just confusing and it affects my safety and it makes me feel unsafe because if you read it up these comments, then you do get paranoid. And so it's a bit much. That would be the downside. Other than that, all of the opportunities that have presented themselves in my life have presented themselves because I'm Lisa Ann. I know that. I know that I have more listeners on my podcast, more followers on my social media. Doesn't mean that I'm still not Lisa Ann. It just means that it doesn't have anything to do with you personally. You may enjoy it for entertainment and that's fine. Enjoy it. It's there. I'm a Google click away, I always say to people. But to try and make it something more by the volumes of thousands and hundreds of thousands a day, it's just silly. And it does affect how I feel and how I, my safety. I always tell people like, if I ever came into money, like money that I could just throw around, I wouldn't be buying shit. I have full-time security. I'd have 24 hour team and they would have to walk everywhere with me. They would have to go everywhere with me. They would have to live right next door to me. They would drive me like that's my big dream, but I don't have that. Uh, I don't, you know, it, it's okay. I make it work, but I thought that was a great question. And since it didn't come in in the mailbag, but it was asked to me in person, had to share it. Today's remix was something I wanted to put together for you. I want to have an inspiring end to 2022 to really launch our 2023 in a positive and thoughtful way. I appreciate all the listening you've done for my podcast. Dudes do better every other Monday exclusively on my YouTube channel. You can follow all social media at dudes do better. I had a great night out with Jason Shatsky, who I had right here on the Lisa Ann Experience from Ticket Rev. Floor seats to the Knicks game. It was epic. First Knicks game of the year, and I'm floor seats. Like I was like, oh, this is just so I had friends in the stands text me like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching the game. I can't text right now. Um, 
So you remember, Jason, if you haven't, if you're looking to go to an event or a show, the app is almost developed. I got to look at it the other night when we were in the lounge. I love this site. Check out Ticket Rev. It is a great way for buyers. It's also a great way for sellers. So if you get tickets that you can't use, uh, you need to learn about that. Go to TicketRev.com. And for all my guys out there, UltraFarmRx.com is for you. Go there. Take your two-minute consultation. A licensed physician will contact you. And once you are approved, discreet delivery to your door. There's there's the main products. There's also generics, but you need to look into this. This is going to help you, your stamina, your energy levels, everything. Ultrapharmex.com. Going to be doing some reading this holiday season right here. I'm also going to re- reread Love People Use Things by The Minimalist. It's another book that I really want to recommend to you. I think holiday reading should be just like sweet, you know, really nice. So whatever you want to read, just take some quiet time for you. I hope you enjoyed the remix. I will be back next week with a different style remix because this is how I wanted to close out 2022. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. 